Transcripts and recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner. Welcome to Light It Up, a podcast about resilient women balancing motherhood, their careers, personal lives, and all of the challenges that come along with being a superwoman. Each week, you'll be motivated to take action to lead, inspire, transform, and empower. Now, here's your host, Dr. Regina Mashira. everybody. Welcome to another episode of Light It Up. I am your host, Dr. Ajina Mashira. It's been a little while since uh, we've been with an educator on Light It Up podcast, but I searched high and low across the U.S. to find this educator who is making moves. I'm sure that you all have heard of him, uh, Dr. Mark Abraham, who is the author of What Success Looks Like, Increasing High School Graduation Rates Among Males of Color. Welcome to Light It Up, Dr. Mark. How are you today? I'm good, Doc. It's been a long time coming and we finally made this happen. So I appreciate you uh, allowing me to be on your podcast (laughs) and shout out to everybody who's going to take time to watch this. You are my MVP. All right. Well, I'm so happy to have you on. Um, I reached out to you. We won't say how long ago that was. You've been a busy man um, across the country promoting your book, What Success Looks Like. And I you know, want to say that I'm very excited for you and what you are doing to help transform uh, education. But before we get into your book, just want to you know, give you an opportunity to tell the audience a little bit about yourself. We were talking prior to coming on air, talking about the fact that you play a little bit of football Mm. and uh, you're from Buffalo. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you. Uh, Well, technically I'm not from Buffalo. Uh, I do rep Buffalo. So shout out to all the Buffalonians. Shout out to Buffalo Bills and everybody that like to eat the uh, Buffalo wings. You know, somebody said, I can't, Buffalo wings actually came from Buffalo. Yes, Buffalo wings were originated in Buffalo, New York, just in case you didn't know that. But I'm originally from Miami, Florida. Shout out to 305. Shout out to Ricky Rose. If he's watching this trick, Daddy Trina, anybody from Miami that's watching this, I give you a shout out. Um, My family is originated from Haiti. So I'm West Indian, Caribbean descent, sock by say to all the souls. What's going on to all my brethren? Um, You know, I am a, a product of urban education. I did play football, Um, so I came from Miami, Florida, South Florida, and then I got a scholarship uh, to play football at the University of Buffalo, and we ended up winning a championship, and uh, I stayed in Buffalo, New York, uh, for the weather, of course, you know. (laughs) Really? Um, (laughs) No. Um, And um, I got my bachelor's degree in, in, in sociology, and I got two master's degrees in uh, school, one in school counseling and and one in school administration. And then I got a doctorate from uh, St. John Fisher College. Um, I was a uh, former uh, school counselor, former dean of students, former assistant principal, former principal, and I was noted for 
have a, a one out of 10 schools, I think in 2019 in the whole state of New York that had one of the highest graduation rates for black males in the whole state. You know, that's when you say, woo, woo, woo. That's, that's when you right. do that. That's when you give me that. <laughs> um, and then I launched my career to uh, be a consultant because I saw mm -hmm. what was going on in the country. And, I, and we'll touch on this, but I saw what was going on in the country and I said, hey, I want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Because most schools around the country, they have, you know, if you don't know, black males have the lowest graduation rates and right. brown males have the lowest graduation rates among any other population in the country. And so looking around and seeing what was going on, going on in the country and seeing what ultimately happens to young black and brown males when they don't get a high school diploma, I said, I want to make a difference. So I followed my heart. I followed God and said, I, I got to leave this uh, comfortable job as a principal where I've made so much change, took a graduation rate from mid 60s all the way to 87 percent and 94 percent for black males. Uh, and said, I want to go out and, and, and have a bigger challenge, which is to support principals in this work. And like you said, we wrote the book. You got to pick the book up. It's fire. I read it. Like I got my pen in there because I'm still reading. I'm rereading my stuff because it just mm -hmm. feels good to me. Um, and um, so now we go around the country supporting principals on, you know, how do we actually help them increase graduation rates for black and brown males? And I've been blessed to have work in Utah and, you know, the principal called me in Utah. I said, you know, you got black people in Utah? What do they do that? <laughs> you know, I thought it was like seven black people in Utah. They all played for the Utah Jazz. That's what I thought. So forgive my ignorance. Um, so I'll stop talking because I know you yeah. got more questions, but I'll, I'll let you go. You asked me, if you, you said if I want to talk, I'll talk. I told you I, I could talk. I see. You can talk. You can talk. <laughs> so let me ask you this. What made you decide? Let's start with your early career. You mentioned that you were a school counselor. What made you decide to go into that field? Was there something in your past growing up being a student where there was someone who maybe, you know, had a profound impact on you that made you want to go into the field of education in some form. Now, Doc, let me ask you, is your, is your degree in psychology or counseling or anything like that? My degree is in organizational leadership with a psychology background. Yes, it is. All right, because I'm about to say, you ain't going to have me on your couch crying or nothing like this, talking about what <laughs> made me. So I tell you, though, uh, honestly, what made me decide to even get an education was um, growing up in, in, in South Florida. Mm -hmm. um, I had a best friend that lived right across the street from me. His name was Ty. Mm -hmm. And then I had another best friend, Steven, that lived down the street from me. And Doc, uh, these were my homeboys. I mean, mm -hmm. we did everything together. We hollered at girls, excuse my vernacular. That means we tried to approach girls and talk to them. We went mm -hmm. to the movies. Uh, and, and now these boys, I mean, I, I got a scholarship to play football, but they way better than me in Little League. I mean, they was doing that and one stuff. Ty was always running people over in football and Little League. I mean, he was a beast. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we went to elementary school, middle school together. And then in high school, I went to a school called Deerfield Beach High School. And, and the coaches saw me. I was about 6'3 at the time, 245 pounds. And the coach said, you're going to play Division One football. Mm -hmm. And then all the supports the school put around me, uh, you know, they were surrounding me to get to uh, play Division One football. As a result, I had about 17 scholarships on the table, and I chose the University of Buffalo. The rest is history. 
Mm-hmm. But Ty and Steve had two different experiences. They went to the, one of those high schools that was disciplined first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mess up, we're going to kick you out. So they, they, they kept getting suspended out of school. Mm-hmm. Uh, consequently, they found themselves of unsavory behaviors in the, in, in, in the community. Uh, then they, they both went to jail. Um, and by the age of 25, Ty and Steve were both killed. They were dead and gone. And so what I knew at 25 was that experientially, if black and brown males do not get a high school diploma, they end up in modern day slavery, the prison system, or they end up getting killed in the streets. And as a and so that that prompted my passion to say, I don't want to be on the sideline. I don't want to be the person talking about what's going on, talking about the teachers. I want to get in the game because I know I can make a difference. And mm-hmm. I've been blessed enough to say, as a school counselor at a K through eight building, I made a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a as a assistant principal, I made a difference. As a principal, I made a difference. So now, as a consultant of my own company, we're making a difference. And and the focus is to increase graduation rates so that we can we can change the narrative. Uh, and change and increase the graduation rate for black and brown males. So if anybody watching me, uh, you know, I, I need you to just say this. I need you to throw this in the atmosphere with me. I want you to say black and brown males can graduate high school at 80, 90, and 100%. It's possible. Just say that with me if you don't mind, because that's my vision for the country. Let me ask you this. What is it um, from your experience that has prevented black males from graduating at a higher rate. Now, this is a, uh, um, but for, for me to make it simplistic, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm gonna try to make it as simplistic as, as simplistic as possible. And because I have so many, I, when I say this, I, I always get this one person who shouts out something that, and then I have to argue with them for 45 minutes. So don't be that person. I don't want you arguing with me for 45 <laughs> minutes on my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, because I, I say the reason why black males are not graduating at a high rate is because the principal, mm-hmm. it's because the school system, mm-hmm. it's because of the lack of systems, the, the successful systems that they put in place Prior to that, it's because of the research. Most research looks at Black males and Black young people from a deficit model. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's very, so, so if you don't have any research that supports that this is possible, mm-hmm. um, if you don't have any research supporting that Black males can graduate at 90%, mm-hmm. if there's no narrative that says Black men can graduate at 90%, then there's a thought process that we will accept in most urban districts, if you do the math, if you do the uh, the research, mm-hmm. most urban districts have graduation rates fifty percent or lower for black and brown males. Right. Some schools have thirty percent. So there's no and there's no community outrage for that. Right. I say that. I say right now in big urban districts, you won't find for the most part in Miami, in Broward, in New York City, in Buffalo, New York, in Baltimore, Chicago, mm-hmm. you will not find where there's a high concentration of black and brown people, you will not typically find a graduation rate over 50% for black males. Right. If you don't throw the computer down right now and you're a black parent, then then, then, there's, then we, we became desensitized to that. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question is, there's a system 
that doesn't believe that black and brown males can do it, that mm -hmm. they can achieve high rate. And it starts with a belief. That's why I ask people to say that with me. Mm -hmm. So it starts with a belief and then there's a lack of research. So that's why I wrote a dissertation. I wrote journal articles and I wrote a book to say, listen, there's, there's no, we're not going to settle for uh, there being a lack of research because now we got the research to support this. Um, so, you know, to answer the question in a simple form, it's the, it's the system that's in place. It's, it's the school system that doesn't believe that black males can graduate, that don't put systems in place and hold teachers accountable and, and hold themselves accountable to achieve high academic success for black and brown males. And then there's implicit bias that when we look at black boys and black young men, oftentimes we only see them as entertainment. Either you playing football or you tap dancing or singing for our entertainment. If you know, and if you don't do that, then we don't see any value for you. You know, it's and uh, I can attest to um, the systems that are in place. Not only did I work for Chicago Public Schools for ten years, so I've okay. seen all of the data. Um, I oversee teacher education programs at uh -huh. the University of Illinois at Chicago. But I'm also, as I mentioned to you, the parent of a black male. Mm -hmm. Just so happens that my son is a twin, has a twin sister. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing my own bit of data gathering and research and looking at um, how the school districts that we're in, we're in suburban Chicago mm -hmm. and we're in a pretty good um, school district which has one of the highest property tax taxes in Cook County. But I have had to, as someone who works in the educational system, someone who is educated, I have had to advocate mm -hmm. for all of my children, but in particular for my son, because I've seen where if I were to allow it, the teachers, the guidance counselor, would have set him on a track mm -hmm. to either just take college prep classes versus AP or honors classes. Mm -hmm. And um, my son and my daughter are both academically on the same level, mm -hmm. um, very good students. And I had a situation um, just last year actually where he and his sister happened to be in the same English class, same teacher, same period. He had a higher grade in his English course. It was an honors English course than his sister. The teacher recommended his sister for mm. AP English mm. for junior year and recommended my son for honors English. His geometry teacher recommended him for a college prep algebra trig because she said, well, it's not that he can't do the work. I mean, he got to be in my class. Um, but I feel that if he's in a college prep course, then that'll give him enough leeway and enough room to rise, to be a leader. So he won't have so much pressure on him. Mm. I said, that's not how we operate in my household. Right. So I went to the guidance counselor. I sent an email to each one of the teachers asking for their rationale for recommending him for college prep because, and not to downplay college prep, but in my household, you're going to do more than, you know, I want to see what you're capable of, at least try, can't right. handle it, we'll make some adjustments. So at the end of the day, he, his schedule was switched. He had 
AP English, AP US History, Honors Physics, Honors Trig, all honors and AP classes this school year. Mm -hmm. All A's and B's. Mm -hmm. His entire just demeanor changed in the way he approached um, time management because he knew he had a heavy course load. So he was very focused getting his work out of the way. Um, and so as a result now, I mean, high GPA, but had I allowed these individuals to steer my child on the college prep track mm -hmm. versus continuing on the honors and AP track, which is what I had set up for them, then that would have been problematic as he begins to prepare to um, apply to college. So mm -hmm. I always try to tell parents that you also have to be your child's advocate but I often wonder whether or not parents know how to advocate properly for their children. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and I try to hold not only the teachers accountable, but the school leadership accountable as well. And mm -hmm. as a former principal doc, then you know that, you know, the success of the school also depends on the type of leader that you have in the building. Right, right. So, you, but, but I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, and unfortunately, when we talk about urban school districts, most parents are not sophisticated enough to either understand or differentiate. They'll say, hey, my son got A's. That's good enough for me. My son got B's. My son got C's. Man, I'm, I'm just happy he, C's get degrees, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't understand the, the, the privileges that come with an AP course. Mm -hmm. and, and shame on that principal at your school who was not doing the work to track the data to be on top of that and say to that teacher, I'm gonna stop you there. You can't wow. talk about my principal. Right, but well, oh, hey, listen. Uh -uh. No, let me tell you what I did. I don't, okay. I don't, because I will tell you right now that principal actually left the, the district this year mm -hmm. because the, the, I will have to give you the backstory on this particular district. They mm -hmm. were not ready for the type of leadership that she provided, mm -hmm. but I was able to go and address my concerns with her. And she made a difference. She definitely made a difference. Um, mm -hmm. But I also know how to advocate for my children. So it didn't matter. I went to her to give her information to say to her, I know what type of parent I am, but mm -hmm. I know there are parents who will take the teacher's word at face value or the guidance counselor word at face value and not challenge, but that's not me. But I wanna let you know, as someone who's working in the field, here are the responses that I received from the teachers in your school about mm -hmm. my fight to get my children into, you know, the classes that I felt like they, they should be in. But I can also tell you that culture, the culture of a school also makes a difference. Our former principal was viewed as an outsider, so to speak, in this district as well. Well, so what what my research talks about and we talk about in the book is that principles are number one with regards to creating culture mm -hmm. in the building. Right. Uh, and, and when I said shame on your principal, it's not a knock to your principal. I'm not bashing your principal. All I'm saying is that when you see, when you, most principals got so much going on mm -hmm. and they have so much, so many things on their plate. So this is why we give principal systems and one thing that I talk to principals about is you have to look at the data. Data should, so if you have a complex school, you got 2000 kids, some things fall through the cracks. 
So I have principals track uh, their course passing data at a five week and 10 week mark. And then I have principals talk to teachers and say, I want you to explain to me who's performing well in your class. And then now you know who's performing well in your class. And then you can say, well, all right, so you have uh, uh, 50 kids in three classes, whatever the case may be, and 95% of the kids are passing. Let me see who's the black kids that are passing and what's the percentage of those kids are actually going to AP honors and who's actually going, who's being assigned where. So as a principal, it's so imperative that they're making that advocacy for the children. Mm-hmm. See, see, because here's, here, this is why I say shame on the principal, but, mm-hmm. but not, a, not to your principal, but okay. shame to most principals because you shouldn't have to advocate like that. They should already mm-hmm. know that. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's in, in one principal might argue back, well, I got so much going on, but your job, them babies don't have unions. So right. what if mama was working three jobs, trying to run a podcast, trying to do this, trying to do all the things she's doing, and that just falls through the cracks. You should always be raising the bar for your students. Mm-hmm. You, like So when the kids walk into the school, you have to look at the babies as if they're your children. Right. So I was told my, so we have something called Regents exams in, mm-hmm. in New York. Mm-hmm. So I told my kids, I said, listen, I, I, I looked at the data and the data said that we had 0% advanced Regents diplomas. Advanced Regents Diploma, so you get a Regents Diploma, you get Advanced Regents Diploma, and you get a Local Diploma. Local Diploma is if you get Special Ed, and that's just like, uh, basically like a piece of paper they gave you just to, to move on. Okay. So when I took over, the graduation rate was about 60%. As I started to climb that graduation rate, what I saw that was glaring, looking at that data, was that we had 1%, 2% re- Advanced Regents Diploma. Mm-hmm. Advanced Regents Diploma mean they're taking all of the rigorous classes that prepared them for college so that when they go to class college, they don't have to be in these remedial classes. Because mm-hmm. when they go in remedial classes in a, a junior college or a, a community college, they run out of financial aid. Right. See, because here's the game. They So I, I noticed that I had my kids, I would send them off to college and I got the presidents on the phone and kind of said, listen, I'm sending my babies off to you guys. And then two years later, I see them working at Walmart and I asked them what, no offense to Walmart, but mm-hmm. I see them working at Walmart or working some teller job. And I say, hey, did you graduate from that community college? Nah, Dr. Abraham, I ran out of financial aid. So I got on the phone and had a conference with the uh, local community college and said, hey, what's going on? They say, Doc, well, what's happening is because they're not taking math their senior year and they're not taking higher level courses their senior year, consequently, when they go to college, they're not equipped. So if they're not equipped to go to college, then what happens and transpires is they have to take these remedial classes, they run out of financial aid, and then now they get shooed on or they just get frustrated because them remedial classes give them zero credits for towards that college degree. So I told all my kids, you're going to take the higher level courses and you're going to take them AP courses. You can get that advanced region diploma. And then what happened, the teacher said they would say behind my back to the kids and school counselors that say stuff like, you don't need that class to graduate. You don't need that class. You don't need them AP classes because kids is, is new for them. They don't want to do it. They don't want to do that work. So I brought all 1,200 kids in, in, in the auditorium with all the teachers there. And I said, listen, if any teacher tells you that you don't need these classes that I'm putting you in to graduate and they want you to take lower classes, I want you to tell them that Dr. Abraham want me to ask you this. 
would you say the same thing to your child? Right. See, 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 that's the responsibility of the parent, the lead parent in the building. That's mm -hmm. mama and daddy. That's that principal because mm -hmm. principals have, uh, they have, you know what they say, parental locus in the building. Mm -hmm. They're responsible as a parent. And as a parent, when you send that child to your school, you need to trust that everything that that principal is putting in place is to, to, to push your kid to the highest level possible so they can have as much success in the real world. So, so when I push back on that principal, Mm -hmm. It ain't not because I don't know that. Right. What I'm saying is their responsibility is to tell you that I believe your kid needs to be in AP courses mm -hmm. because we only got 5% of our kids in AP courses mm -hmm. and all those five are all white and we got a few black kids in them and none of them in AP classes. And then on top of that, the ones that are, are none of them a boy, young men. Mm -hmm. Shame on that school. Well, I will say and I get that. You love your friends. I ain't saying I'm just telling, I didn't look I, at the numbers. Not, and I can, I, I'm going to tell you about the demographics of the school because this goes into, you know, I have always believed that, um, you know, our children should have people, teachers, educators who look like them in front of them. Unfortunately, that is not um, the case. I mean, even when we talk about the percentage of Black male teachers, it's only what? 2% um, in, in public schools, but- But, but I, that's by design. I mean, I just want you to know that. Oh, you know, I know it's by design. Yeah, you but know you know I that, know. but that, but that, you know, that, that goes back to Bo uh, Brown versus Board of Education. If we really right. want to talk about critical race theory and, and mm -hmm. what the critical race theories will push back on, but that's, that's definitely by design. Right. I, I just know that in, in our district, we have, there's 85% black students, um, yet the teaching staff is 75% white. You got 85% um, black kids in a, in a suburban district? Oh, absolutely. It, what? I got to come to that. I want to see that. Yeah. Uh, hey, tell them, tell them to uh, send me to Chicago. <laughs> I'm ready. If, if, if the superintendent of this district, holla at Dr. Abraham. I promise I'll be good. I won't even use words like holla at me. I, I'll say, hey, come call Dr. Abraham. I use, I, I use all my colloquial words. I use all my, my professional words. I apologize. Yeah. It's fine, but um, but yes. So the the way you know you know Chicago is is segregated, the most segregated city in the country, and and so the way our suburban areas are set up, I'm in the south suburban portion of Chicago, so that's where your folks who look like me migrate. I mean, it's it's a little diverse. And then your northern suburbs is where your Caucasians are. So the demographics are going to be different in those school districts. So this particular school district, we definitely have a large percentage of um, African-Americans in the district. But not only that, the school's been, you know, a blue ribbon school. So the school district prides itself on offers so many AP classes, they begin offering AP classes and push that in the IB program in ninth grade. Mm -hmm. But my experience was that I saw firsthand teachers trying to push my son on a different track. And so it made me wonder how many other black male students, I'm not talking about the black females, because mm -hmm. if I were to look at the mm -hmm. percentage, you know, I'm sure that would be very telling. But I was able to see it because 
I have twins who are, like I said, same level academically. So I, I'm paying closer attention to, let's say maybe if my son were older and then I had the daughter coming along, maybe I would not have paid that much mm -hmm. attention to it. But because mm -hmm. they're in the same grade, you know, I'm that parent. I want, if, if you're going to get access to something that's going to help you along the way, the other one is too. So I try to have, you know, um, no, but no, you could, you could, you're absolutely right. And, and, and my work oftentimes is not and and I can, but my work oftentimes is not in the suburban space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a beautiful thing to hear that you got 85% of black and brown children yeah. that are at a blue ribbon school. Shout out to that school district. Yeah. They need, you know, we will make sure our young men are, are, are a benefit from that. Not just getting a high school diploma, but getting all of the resources. So if, if, if there's any parents, you know, take, take, listen to doc, what she's saying, do what she did. And even if you don't, if you, even if you're not as sophisticated to say, Hey, my son, he AP, you, you, AP courses are simply a recommendation by a teacher. That is it. Exactly. There's no test. There's, there's nothing to get into AP courses, but AP gives you higher GPA points. Mm -hmm. It also looks better on a resume, mm -hmm. uh, on a transcript, and it gives you more uh, access to better colleges. Uh, so then the, the, the term on the college, depending on the college you go to, you, you change your life. Right. You, you can go to a local community college and go to an Ivy League college and, and your whole life will change forever. Right. So you, you want to provide your young people and your young men an opportunity to go on. But when you talk about Chicago public schools. Oh, that's a whole totally different. And, and what's happening to black boys in Chicago public school, mm -hmm. not just in high school, but the, 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 how we are deteriorating their, their confidence uh, and, and, and eating away at their love for education at third grade, mm -hmm. and then and then beat them down all the way up to seventh, eighth grade. By the time they get to ninth grade, they at eighth grade they already have romanticized and flirted with the idea that this ain't for me. Right. And then once they get into the sophomore year, they get old enough to drop out. They do because the system has pushed them out. Mm -hmm. And then you see the same thing once they finally make it into graduating from high school and they go off to a uh, post-secondary education you see these educators at, at the post-secondary level say we get these black males on our campus and they don't want to stay and they don't graduate mm -hmm. what why do you think that is because the football players graduate right to see because what happens is the football players are graduating because you're showing them love because they put money in those pockets that's right but when when you're getting the best Black males, the country has to offer, and they get to your college campus, and you telling me they, they just disengage at this mm -hmm. point? Mm -hmm. It's because your college system does not put enough supports around them so they can be successful. See, because that's the problem. So it happens all throughout, a, a, you know, a, a young Black man's journey in education mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. the system says, unless you play football, unless you play basketball, <coughs> unless you can play a trumpet or something mm -hmm. unless you can entertain us right bring us some money you, you you've never seen a young black man and walked up to him and said hey man you look like a next judge mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i've never heard anybody in my entire life walk up to me and say man you look like you're gonna be a doctor when you grow up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even today no one ever has walked up to me when i'm just casually walking around saying what you do for a living a doctor yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> you a football player. You it's it's absurd. So you know th- th- this is the battle we fight, and and, and this is the the and, and what I'm asking parents to do. Uh, you know, I was talking to a judge yesterday, and I said, listen. He said, does your book give parents skills to advocate for their black males? Mm-hmm. Kind of, right? Because ideally the book is full of principles, but if you are a parent and you pick up the what success looks like book, mm-hmm. you you hear a journey, you see a journey of a of a black man that's a doctor that was illiterate coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. See, I graduated high school, mm-hmm. but I couldn't read. Mm-hmm. I definitely couldn't write. Uh, I, I, my first year in uh, college, I think I got a 1.4 or 1.6 GPA. I went to ELA class and um, I, I didn't have a mama like like you who, who was going to make sure that I take all of them. My mama was just like, boy, she at first, first, I'm first generation American, mm-hmm. uh, first generation college. So mm-hmm. my, my mama just say, hey, man, listen, whatever them teachers tell you to do, shut your mouth, do what they got to do and, and, and mm-hmm. let's get out of here and you got to go to college. There were no no, there was no blueprint. Right, right. So so nevertheless, my first year going to Buffalo, New York, they, we was a losing football team. So we didn't get all the football perks. Mm-hmm. We stopped. So my first year, this this professor, they gave me a 1.4 1. 1. GPA. She marked my whole paper up. Mm-hmm. And, and I could read. I just didn't read often. Mm-hmm. And I would write. I would write words like the. I write D.A. Mm-hmm. I want what's happening. My mm-hmm. my southern accent was real thick at the time, okay. but that the ebonics was strong on that paper. <laughs> teacher teacher put so much red on it. I thought it was the blood of Jesus. I said, "What's <laughs> going on on this paper? This is crazy. This can't be mine." Yeah, I, I took that paper and, and folded it and put it like this. Oh, this ain't mine. I looked around like, "What y'all got?" Because <laughs> that juggle was crazy. So, what was the turnaround for you? Honestly, the, the you know to to give God the glory, I got to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I got saved at 19 years old mm-hmm. and, 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 and I was, I was bouncing. I was dropping classes and dropping classes because mm-hmm. every time they had a writing assignment, I said, I ain't about to write, man. I'm going to drop that class. And I only went to the classes that I didn't have to drop. And then the rubber met the road where I had to take the class. I had to go back to that ELA 101. Mm-hmm. So I, I prayed out to God and I said, God, help me. I got, I'm, I'm six four, 275 pounds. I'm crying in my dorm room. Just me and God. God, help me. Mm-hmm. I can't write. I need your help. And I and I and and I'm a story. I met this. Uh, I didn't meet him physically. So if he ever watched this, tell him to holler at me. I'm, I want to be in his church one day. But I met this pastor online named Dr. Uh, Creflo Dollar. Oh, yeah. And he was mm-hmm. he was preaching, mm-hmm. and I was going after God. And mm-hmm. I just kept writing what this man was saying because I was trying to get close to God. I just, I wasn't about writing at that point. I was just mm-hmm. trying to get close to God. And I kept writing all his sermons, mm-hmm. introduction, body, conclusion, wrote a thesis statement. Mm-hmm. That's how I learned how to write. Wow. Yeah, I learned how to write. And then, I mean, I needed support. So I, I did that. And then I started to have the faith and the courage to actually mm-hmm. ask, go to the tutoring yeah. lounge and say, show me how to do this. And then, and then I just put everything I had into it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm a doctor. So, so for educators, if you're watching this, don't put no limitations on these kids. That's right. That's Remove right. that ridiculous notion that you have that if they can't read by third grade, they'll never be on reading level. The devil is a lie. You telling me without, if you, so what you for? I mean, just, if you're a teacher and you subscribe to the ideology that if a kid can't read on by third grade, then they'll never be able to read. Why are you getting paid? Because right. you're playing games. 
you you game plan. You 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 a crook. You a robber. You a stealer. You a thief. Because you all you looking at the kids that you ain't never gonna be nothing. But I'm gonna just go through the motions anyway. You you got problems. They can learn how to read. I don't care what level they come to you at. Your job is to make them better. Right. So if they're at a level one, your job is to get them to a level two, and then take that level two kid to the next level. So then that person take them to a level three. They might not have got the foundation skills, but when they get in your classroom, it has to be in your mindset. They're going to be better in my class. And same thing as a principal, there has to be a mindset to say, every kid that walked through my building is going to graduate. If I got the, my promise to parents was, if I got to grab your baby by his shorts and throw him across the graduation line, I promise you, he in my school, he going to do it. Give me a little support, mama and daddy. If you send them off to my school, and I guarantee you they're going to graduate. And not only they going to graduate, they're going to go to college, or they're going to go to the military, or they're going to go to a trade school, or we're going to prepare them to go to the world of work. Mm-hmm. But the world of work is last because I want them to go to either one of those things to continue to develop themselves so when they go to work, they're as successful as possible and they can stick with it. Woo! Let the church say amen. Amen. Because, you know, you, you just listening to you, you've given such um, a powerful testimony because had I not known that backstory, you know, I just would have thought you went to school, got a scholarship to play football, decided to major in sociology, go into, you know, counseling and education. But to hear you um, share your journey and what you went through and then the the turnaround is very very inspiring it really is um how long did it take you as principal you were principal of mckinley is it mckinley mm-hmm. how shout long out to the max i'm sorry so shout out to the mckinley <laughs> max listen I, I love i love mckinley so you know i, I gotta get some kids some scholarships so whoever the principal is, holler at me, man. I'm gonna give y'all some scholarships. How long did it take you to um to I guess see a change in terms of the percentages? Because how long were you the principal? I was principal for a year, four, four five years, one of those. But okay. then I was, I was assistant principal for about three, four years. At the same so, time. Yeah, so I was there for like seven, eight years. Okay. So so what happened was the principal at the time, old school principal, I mean, mm-hmm. old school. And um, she put me over the seniors right when I got there. And them seniors were off the meat right. They were off the chain. Uh, folks, I'm trilingual. I speak English, I speak Creole, and I'm fluent in Ebonics. So holler at me, you know what I'm saying? If you got to go to Ebonics 101, I'll, I'll walk you through it. But them kids was bad, right? <laughs> they they have problems. <laughs> and then they put me there, you know, to, 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 to put the big black man over the seniors. Yeah. That's that people said, man, them kids ain't going to listen to you, man. These kids, they do whatever they want. So I had to come in there and clamp them down. And then I started to put systems in place mm-hmm. to start to change that graduation rate uh, just from the senior perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, I would be at the park on senior skip day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mr. Abraham at the park. Y'all bet the, if I got to drive 45 minutes, if I got to meet you at the restaurant, get your butt from around here, you going to school. If I got to come to your house, you going to school. I, I got charged to say, this is my group and I got to make them better. 
Right, right. Then when I became principal, I took all those strategies that I started putting in place, brought it to scale, and then we started to make so the 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 the, the difference was being made with me being over that uh that group. And then when I got the seat of the principal, I did everything that I did, but I, I took it across the whole school. And mm-hmm. then we so it took it took about three years to get us to where we would start to function. Mm-hmm. And two things any assistant principal don't think your whole job is discipline yeah that's a word within itself uh, mm-hmm. assistant principal your job is to assist the principal mm-hmm. you serve at the pleasure of your principal but you have a a, a a a job which is instruction a job which is to assure that kids are being successful you, you're not the, uh, the 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 enforcer you're mm-hmm. not the disciplinarian you are a uh, uh, instructional leader, a visionary leader, has to be under the the, the auspices of the, the vision of the principal. Mm-hmm. But whatever you get charged over, you got the it, it, academics need to be first. Second, principals, if you're listening to this and you want to make a difference, trust and believe that difference does not come without adversity and persecution. Yes. When you're talking about changing mindsets for black and brown children you get so much pushback it don't even make sense see 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 i would have my kids say a, a pledge every single day and we would call ourselves I, I the school was a middle of the road school the school was like a school that was like you you ask people like what's our school about we a middle road school we're not the worst we ain't the best we just in the middle I hated that. I hated that. I ain't never want to be in the middle of anything. Like, what the middle? Either either call me the worst or call me the best. You either love Dr. Abraham or you hate me. You either say, ooh, that's my man. I love him. Or you say, I can't stand the way he even look. He just walked ugly, you know. Whatever the case, you either love me or hate me. I can't be. I, I, I'm not going to be like, comsy comsy. Like, I'm just like, nah, bland. That ain't me. So, I hated that. I, I, I The next day, I... I we started calling ourselves the best school in the land. We got a 60% graduation. I'm calling us the best school in the land. <laughs> this school's in our district that was all white, had 90%, 100% graduation rate. And here, and I said, I'm the best school in the land, often imitated, never duplicated, only one Mac high. And, and I had this uh, commissioner ask me, he said, well, Dr. Abraham, you heard me saying this. He mm-hmm. said, you said we called the best school in the land. Who was the we? Mm-hmm. I said, we, me, myself, and I. It was one dude. <laughs> That was a we made it to us, and then it started to catch like wildfire. Principles. Another point is, if you don't like the narrative of your school, it's incumbent on you to change it. Mm-hmm. It's your responsibility as the chief culture creator to make sure that culture is set, and success should be the only thing that you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. So there it is. Let me ask you a question: What if you have? What if there is a principal? Um, who does not have the autonomy because maybe the superintendent has not allowed them to actually run their school. What do they do? Let me say this. Get out of Dodge. No, I'll say this. (laughs) My boy said this. It's something called good trouble. Mm. And and if you are saying, so if the the superintendent not going to come to your school every single day, I had a superintendent tell me, uh, well, I, I don't think the graduation rate should be like that. I, mm-hmm. I took the keys off my neck. It was a, it was a, you want to run school? 
Do you want to run school? Because the school could be yours to run. If not, don't tell me how to run my school. There's, there, mm-hmm. there's a principal in charge of the school legally that principal is responsible for that school. So unless you're going to fire me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. get out my way. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to run it the way God told me to run it. Now, if you don't like that, give me my resignation. Give me my papers. I'll leave tomorrow. Yeah. So if you're a principal, I can't give you backbone, baby. You got to either come to the door with that. I can give you skills. I can give you strategy. But if, if you scared of your superintendent, and, 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 and I heard one principal say, Dr. Abraham, I know you talking about these black kids, and I understand that, but I got I got mortgages to pay. I answer the Bank of America. Well, baby, maybe this calling ain't for you. You need to go do something else. It's Walgreens, Walmart, all them people always hiring. Because you 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 ain't no good if you sitting in a job knowing Dr. King said if you know a, a, a injustice is happening and you do nothing about that, you just as wrong as the people that's doing it. Right. So if you if you're afraid of your superintendent because you're gonna lose your little job, you'll lose your little paycheck, you ain't the right person to be leading no black kids that are being led to the slaughter because if they don't graduate from high school, they end up like my homeboys. So shame on you if you a scary spineless principal that don't want to do the job because you're too scared of what's going to happen to you. I got a vote of no confidence my first year. I got 35 uh, grievances. I went down there so proud. What's next? Because I'm still going to do my job. Unless you're going to kick me out, I'm going to do the job because I believe I had to hug mothers that they son died. Mm -hmm. You think I care about you crying in my office? You think I care about that? I don't care about you crying in my office, uh, Miss Karen. I don't care about that. You can cry all you want, because at the end of the day, I'm going to hold you accountable for them kids graduating. Right. Because that's your job. And if you right. can't do the job, quit. Right. We'll get somebody else to do the job. Did that answer your question? Yes, sir. All you right, sure there. did. All right. So tell folks, where can they get your book? Um, It's, it's I mean, it's, I'm it's glad, it is. I mean, I just, it's on Amazon's on Barnes and Noble. Um, a lot of people hit me up and say, Dr. Abraham, I want you to sign it. Mm-hmm. I say, send me your address and send me a cash up. I'll sign it and send it to you tomorrow. Uh, but if you don't want that and you just want to read it, um, go to just, just Google what success looks like. If you go to Roman and Littlefield, shout out to Roman and Littlefield, just go to their website. I'm one of the featured, featured authors on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just click that and my book come up purchase it uh it's it's really gonna bless you i promise you if you're a principal and you're struggling i promise you it's gonna bless you gonna change your life have you thought about um i did i I don't know what i'm gonna ask i don't know i'm just messing with you have you thought about um connecting with universities with their principal um uh leadership and preparation programs no, you're right. I did, I did think about that. Okay. So I would, if you, if if you got the plug over there in Chicago, I would love to come in and, and get that book to all the principals because the research says that principals are not trained properly for urban schools. Right. See, it's one thing to go out and be a principal of a of a suburban school. Mm-hmm. It's another thing when them kids come in smelling like they just they that they sprayed themselves with Kush cologne. 
-hmm. and they walked through what's Kush marijuana cologne. You know, they came in there with the Kush body spray, and you walk around with that skunk. Golly, I got a contact hop. What do you do then, Mr. Principal? Right, right. They ain't taught that. Or a kid come in with a knife or, or a weapon. What do you do then? We suspend them. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, I am looking forward uh, to your book and I am going to go on record, try to see if we can get this book at the University of Illinois at Chicago because we definitely have a principal uh, preparation program just as we also have a superintendent program as well. So we definitely need you here in Chicago. Um, and if folks- Okay, and if folks want to find you and uh, where should they go to uh, book you or? Um, yeah, you go, you, you know, you hit me up on uh, Instagram, dr period, M-A-R-C-K underscore A-B-R-A-H-A-M. Uh, it's Mark, M-A-R-C-K. It's the fully loaded version of Mark. I got all the bells and whistles with that one. Uh, you could go to Twitter. Dr. Dr. Period M A R C K Abraham, or hit me on LinkedIn, Facebook. It's all the same. Just put my name in, I come up. You just you know, just type my name in the search bar, I pull up. Okay, you worldwide. I got you. <laughs> well, it was such a pleasure um, talking to you, and I I wish you much success uh, in your endeavors. I, and I think that. The folks need you. So we need somebody like you who is definitely concerned um, with um, the success of our children and particularly our young black males, but who also has made a commitment to put your money where your mouth is, right? So yes, ma'am. Yes, ma so very much. Do you, you have any any closing remarks that you'd like to leave the audience with? Listen, all I can say is. I just want you to say it one more time. Doc, you got to say this. With okay. me. You got to say it. So listen, are you ready? Yes, sir. Black males. Black males. Can graduate. Can graduate. High school. High school. At 80. At 80. 90. 90. And 100%. And 100%. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get it. That's it. All right, Doc, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so very much. and. To all of you in the viewing audience, thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Light It Up. Until next time, continue to light it up and shine bright like a diamond. Thanks for joining me this week on Light It Up. Make sure you visit my website at www.lightituppodcast.com or www.ajinamohammed.com. You can also find me on social media using the handle at Light It Up Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or you can simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next time, light it up and shine bright like a diamond.